Hello? What is it? I'm in the shower. <laughs> aren't, aren't you always tempted to hit decline call? <laughs> just just to screw around. I think I have in the past because I didn't know what I was doing. I think it's... I have in the past because it was you. <laughs> uh. I, there's been times where, where I'm tempted to do it just to, like, just to be a wise ass, but then I'm afraid you won't call back. <laughs> well, I know... Uh, what, like one of the first or second times that we did a show, um, not realizing what I was doing, I went to hit mute and I <laughs> hit in call. I'm like, oh my god! So then I click back on That's it, it and I'm it, done. And it yeah. put me back in. And it's like, okay, oh, all right, Whew, man. I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been going back over. I started with the first episode I came on, and then eventually I'll go to older ones. But I've been listening to some of the older ones just to find out which books we covered so I could put the uh, change the images on the website to, to have the covers. And I just got to your first episode, Bill. Oh, cool. You are, man, you are... How do you have time for this? I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. Somehow, I, I don't know how I, how I managed to do any of this shit. Uh, apparently, somebody here likes golf. Or maybe two people I like golf. All hey. right, I don't I, I don't mind going with friends and playing golf and drinking because it's a blast. But I hate watching it. I haven't played golf in about eighteen years. Well, I don't play golf. I just hit a ball. I down used the, to down the, down the fairway. I used to play, and when I played, I didn't mind watching it because then you're watching, you're looking at the technique, how they do this, and you're trying to figure out how to make yourself a better player. But the day I stopped playing was the day I couldn't watch golf anymore. Hmm. Well, I went golfing with Ben, and uh, he wasn't pay- paying attention, and we dropped. What did you, the... you get a ball in the head? No, no, we were driving in the golf cart. <laughs> we were, we were driving in the golf cart, and uh, one of the clubs fell out. So, and it, and it was pretty cool because we were the first ones on the course. It's like a little local course, like ten bucks to play nine holes, and we get out there, and there would have been nobody else out there. So there's all the dew on the grass, so you can see behind <laughs> us. Do 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 so we're driving, club falls out, and I go, oh, club fell. Hold on, Ben. So I cut the wheel, a big hard 180 with the golf cart, and I turn around, and I go back, and I pick up the golf cart, uh, pick up the golf club, and I turn over to where Ben was sitting, and he's not there. <laughs> and, I, and I turn back and look, and you can see where the golf cart did a 180-degree turn, and then about five feet away from that turn is where Ben landed in the grass. <laughs> But you got the club back. It's I got the club back. He he was. I think he was like nine or eight years old, and I flung him out of the golf cart. <laughs> oh, great! My wife just walked in. Hi, honey. Yeah, I when you did that. Oh yeah, she 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 she, she remembers when I did that because I thought it was funny then and told her. Of course, Ben told her first. Damn it! <laughs> it's only a shame you don't have a video of it. I know, I know. But yeah, that's ah uh, yeah, fatherhood. Hang on, son. <laughs> I didn't even hear him. Nothing. <laughs> He just silently flying through the whoa through through the ether, Ba-doom, and he skidded because it's nice wet dew. It's nice. Wish I had a camera. Ah, that's my golf story. Maybe that's the preamble. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, that ties in real well. <laughs> ben under siege. <laughs>
I guess I should open the show. Uh, yes, you should. Under a siege. Under a siege. We are going to do under that a is, siege. That, no, 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 no. <laughs> that is not. I have a cease and desist order here from Walt Disney not itself. How we're bringing this show in, okay? Start oh, again. Absolutely. How we're bringing it in now. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, okay. no, no. Under the siege. <laughs> okay, I guess that's, uh, yeah. Zemo. 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 No? Hey, everybody. And welcome to episode three of Avengers Spotlight. I just uh, pumping these things out. <laughs> that's right. Wait a minute. What, what the hell happened to episode two? Where episode were you? Two, episode two <laughs> was the uh, one Bill and I did without you because we couldn't find you. Like I said, what what happened to episode two? Haven't you listened to it? Yeah. Yes. What do you mean what happened to See, it? If I'm not here, then then did it ever really happen, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, it happened. It was a great episode. <laughs> Fantastic. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's it. I got other things to do. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> I got other things to do. I got this itch on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we are here for Avengers Spotlight Episode 3, and we are finally getting back to back on track, and we are going to be doing under... Oh, I said under the siege. <laughs> the under siege <laughs> storyline. Story this will be part one, and tonight I am joined by my co-host, Paul Spataro, and other fellow co-host, Scott Gardner. Yay! <sighs> Skull. I'm surprised you guys even remember my name at this point. Oh, you're a charter <sighs> member of the Handicapped Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see the abuse I have to take? Oh, good lord. Well, thank you for inviting me. I do appreciate it. Oh, I can see where this is going already. No, I, I, Scott, I, you I, have an open invitation anytime we can't avoid you. <laughs> yep, because if uh, we can't get you, we're beating off Professor Allen with a stick. I think he's he's like right behind every freaking door. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> <laughs> with his with his angel smiles books. <laughs> Apollo, Apollo. I still can't find any of those on eBay. I really think he did buy them all. <laughs> just, just so he could come back and do the second part of the story. <sighs> but anyway, anybody have any uh, Avengers-type news? Or we want to discuss anything about recent uh, pictures that have come out? Like I was I, just going to say, yeah, there's those those recent pictures that everybody seems to be losing their minds over. I'm like, come on, they're production stills. Relax, chill out. Are we, are we talking about the Ultron shot? Well, there's the there's the shot of Ultron, and then there's the couple which shots Which I have not of, seen that, uh, but I've seen Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Yeah. At least yeah. for the uh, for the for the Marvel movies. Not sure how they're. Yeah. I think I've seen ones for the Fox movies too, but I didn't. I wasn't as impressed by those as the Marvel ones. Well, I mean, the uh, on, the so Ultron that... one shows mm -hmm. the actor with, 
you know, a couple little pieces on, but clearly it's going to get CGI'd, so I don't know why anybody's losing their mind over that. Well, that's the thing. You, you say clearly, and I agree with you with the use of that word, but clearly there's people out there that just haven't gotten the memo about how movies are made these days because this is like people freaking out if there had been pictures on the internet of what's his name with like Jar Jar's head on a stick when they were filming you know, episode <laughs> one, people going, Oh my God, that's a character. I, I this is going to suck. I'm like, do you not realize there's so much CG in these movies these days? And people are all going nuts. Like, Ooh, that's a shitty cut. Well, yeah, it is. Cause it's not finished. They haven't CGI'd the rest of it on yet. Relax. <laughs> it's a shitty look because you're not going to see that at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, I heard something out, people. Chill out. Come on, relax. <laughs> Chill out, be quiet. Yeah, we, we've really <laughs> gone far when we get Scott just going into a, an Arnold yes. rage. Shitty Arnold. I am shitty Arnold, by the way. <laughs> shitty, shitty I think Arnold. I've become shitty Arnold. At one no. time, I think I was halfway decent Arnold, but I think I've become shitty Arnold. <laughs> The Arn Avengers. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger plays all roles in the Avengers. The Wasp. Don't hit me, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Pym. <laughs> Shut up, woman. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Make me uh, a sandwich. I wondered. I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get myself a stopwatch. I, I don't have one, but I'm gonna get one, and I'm gonna start timing how long it takes until Arnold shows up in episodes. Because I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's not long. Well, we're gonna not lose right out of the all. gate because we start with la la la. <laughs> we didn't start. Hey, we haven't, we haven't given a la yet today. La 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 la. Okay, Scott. Uh, no. Scott. Scott. <sighs> How many guys? How many times did you guys do that at MegaCon? What? By the way, what? you and Ben do that, what? That what? That you what? know exactly what I'm talking Scroll? about. Yeah. Scroll? Oh, yeah. You I even got before ben we got doing there. it now. I know. Does he listen to these shows? He does to some, but I'm not sure how he caught on to the. No, no, no. There is a story here because I laughed. I busted out laughing when we went when we got in the car because Ben says to me, "Hey, we're going to we're going to see Scott." And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what did you just say? I'm going to go see Scott because he's from Scotland. <laughs> I'm like, where did you hear that? He's like, I didn't hear it anywhere. So I, either he's listening bootleg awesome. to, to, to the shows, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or or he just came up with it on, on his own because I, I was, and that's what I told him. I said, oh, you got to say that to Scott when we get there. He loves it. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, Scott. <laughs> I always think of the turf builder guy. Feed your lawn. Feed it. With scoots. Scoots. <laughs> I love that too. That's, 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 uh, yeah. Speaking of, oh, Ben just snuck in here. What do you want, Ben? What are you getting? Pop tarts? <laughs> like ben, we're talking to Scott. We're, hey, we're talking to Scott. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Thank you, you, Ben. Hey, can you get Alvin out of here? I'm trying to do a show. You let the cat in. Oh, my God. That's okay. You know, Scott, <laughs> in all seriousness, every time this happens, every time we go off the rails, it's your fault. My fault? Because Bill and I were not podcasters until you invited us. You're the enabler. It's, it's all I your fault. I learned it from you. <laughs> 
So you can never get angry at us. (laughs) It always goes back to you. He comes in with an iPod. Where'd you learn this stuff? Huh? Huh? I learned it from you, Scott. (laughs) I learned it from you. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Let's talk some Avengers. Yeah, okay. I think we've we've gone long enough with the... uh... Yeah. Stuff that has nothing to do with the episode. I, I did have one pertinent Avengers thing while I was at the con. Remember, Scott, I, I picked up uh, another Avengers issue, and I told you I was mm-hmm. down to needing six more issues, individual mm-hmm. issues of Volume 1 to have the whole set. I picked up a number five today. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So now I am now down to, I can count on one hand how many issues I need. I need two, three four, six, and 16, and I'll have all of volume one, except for wow. maybe at an annual or two, but I think I've got most of those too. Two, three, six, and 16 should be gettable. Four yeah. may be that white elephant that you'll never get. All of those were at the con, and I found them all, but they were really expensive, and um, number four was $150, but it was missing the bottom... Two inches of the front cover. Oh, screw that! I was just gonna say, 150 is not missing. bad, but yeah, that yeah. seems pricey for a for a you know, what is it like a fifth of the cover gone? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no thanks. Dude. It's weird that it would be the bottom too, because it was usually the tops of the comics are missing on old issues like that because the. Uh, the retailers would cut the the title off the comic and send it back to the company to get the credit on the book rather than send the entire book or the entire cover back. Yeah, this was so that's this really like weird the, that it's the bottom. It's it was the bottom of it. Yeah, I was really confused by that. Unless there's some coupon that was on the inside bottom um, that hmm. somebody absolutely had to have. That's entirely possible, but yeah, that's still that's really weird. Yeah. I don't know. I have to look at that. I'll have to see what it what it might be on the Avengers number four that would cause somebody to to cut the the bottom of the yeah. cover off like that. That's really strange. Because but I know I have a number of old comics where the the top portion, the top couple of inches are gone. And I used to always wonder about that. It's like, what the hell is it with these comics that I've got so many of them with the top cut off? And then I learned years later it's because for a, for a time, what you would do as a retailer is you just strip the, the cover off. That's why there's so many coverless comics out there. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I'm not sure when this was. I'm going to guess like, I don't know, 60s, 70s, something like that. The the comic company started to say, hey, you know, rather than send the entire cover, just, just cut the title off and send the title back. And then they would get their credit that way. But still, that, that practice went on for a long time before they finally put the kibosh on it because they realized they were losing all this money by refunding the the retailers back the money yet the retailers are just taking the coverless comics and selling them anyway so you know often at a discount but still they were still selling product that they had claimed was destroyed right you know book booksellers did that sort of shit for a long time actually they still do because you can still see books these days that have that little warning right on the inside you know if you bought this as a so-called strip book then please know that blah 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 never got paid and all this crap so (laughs) But yeah, I you said it was uh, issue three, four, four, issue four. Okay, or the first cap, or you know, cap in Silver Age. I'm looking at my uh, my Avengers, cap. D- my my Avengers DVD. 
You see, that's what I was going to do too. Was was dig it out because now... well, you've got that copy of four, right? Okay, I, I, getting to it. Be yeah, but I wouldn't pull out the original just to check that out. Yeah. The, uh, well, the what's your address again, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> and where where exactly to keep the book? At what time are you <laughs> the, not home? <laughs> the uh, the the inside front cover uh, has a uh, an ad. Now you can solve tough math problems like this. And there is an order form down at the bottom of the uh, uh. of the cover. It doesn't take up the whole bottom. It's the part, the half of it closer to the staple. So basically, the, uh, the math problem was, how much will you devalue this comic by removing right. two inches yeah, off how much, the front cover? How much can you ruin one of the best comics ever? <laughs> yep. Stupid-ass kid. In, fr- in fine print at the bottom, jackass. All right, we need to find out what who that kid was. He's probably like in his sixties today, and just go slap the shit out of him. Yeah, what's that he's, for? He's some astrophysicist just because he cut out that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Neil deGrasse. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's getting rid of Pluto uh, for us. Asshole. What was I going to ask? Sorry. Oh, what did, if you don't mind my asking? What did that uh, number five set you back? Sixty bucks. It was in good That's condition. Not bad. They, That's not bad. They had no, a let me, fine one that this, was 180, and I was like, now nah, I'll take the 60 because I just want to get them. I don't care if they're super this? good. Sorry, go ahead. Who was this through? Uh, it was a local LCS, not my normal one. It was one up by where, where I work. Um, huh. It it was a comic shop. Uh, I'm trying to think. Number five is. That's with the lava men. That's the law. Okay, I was going to yeah. say Space Phantom, and I knew that wasn't right. So. Space Phantom was two. Yeah, Space Phantom. I can't remember who's in three and six, and 16 is the first appearance of Hawkeye, I believe. The three? Lava? Three lava is uh, Submariner and Hulk. Oh. Hmm. It can't be the first appearance of Hawkeye, because he, he was a Iron Man bad guy first, but it might be the first Hawkeye in the Avengers, if that's... Not, if you said right. 16? 16. Yeah, that's yeah. the new lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the new lineup. That's, what, I think that's one of the cap on the cover. Right. Yeah, that's one of the cap on the cover, doing his you know, arms in the air, proselytizing thing with, like, there's, like, shots of them on the wall behind him or something like that, mm. of, like, the new Avengers. Six is the Masters of Evil. Oh, Oh, that, is that the one where Pace Pot Pete sprays the whole town and freezes everybody in place? I don't think so. You should have set up. I think. It, hang, hang on one. Hang on one second. Hang on. I think he's making that up. You think he's making up some paste? I have. I have in my hand. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't ask me. <laughs> no, this is not that show. Okay. Don't ask me where the hell I got this from. I have the. Cover front and back cover stripped off the comic to Avengers number six. I I pulled this out of a box the other day and I'm like, where the hell did this come from? There's wow. no comic inside of it. It's just the cover, and it's in. I would I would describe this as, eh, like near good condition. Well, good. Send that to number me, and I'll six. track down the other thirty pages. And stay I'll tell you what you need to do. I would be I would be perfectly willing to send this to you and and see if you could get a coverless copy of number six, because mm. I bet you could probably track one down for fairly inexpensive. But yes, I was correct. This is Zemo and the Masters of Evil. This is the one where it's it's Zemo. The was this guy called the Black Knight? 
there was a guy in the flying horse, but he was a bad guy. But I yeah. think his name. Well, he's was the Black. original Black yeah. Knight. He's he was... the uncle of Dane Whitman. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay, that's right. You've Something got Garrett. The... I was going to say, what was his name? Garrett. I thought it was Nathan something. Nathan Garrett. Oh, right. I don't know. Mm. Steve Garrett. He was on Hawaii Five. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say the Kryptonite Man, but that's the Radioactive Man, not the Kryptonite Man. The Melter, and I would swear that this is the one with Pace Pot Pete, where he I freezes. I don't think Pace Pot Pete was ever in the Masters of Evil. Are you sure? I'm never sure before. of anything. But who I who was. I, do not Who's the one it. that? Oh no, no, I know what it is. They use okay. The thing that 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 got Zemo's tablecloth stuck on his head. <laughs> Adhesive X. They I they it's a, pair of, a pair of corduroy pants. <laughs> <laughs> they they all take canisters of Adhesive X. And they spray it all over New York City and freeze everybody in place, essentially. So, it's almost like the Lego movie, right? I'm, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. So they could spray it all over New York, and eventually everybody gets free. But he gets a little bit dabbed on his face, and he's stuck with it for the rest of his life. Right. This is Idiot. the part I understand. <laughs> because, all right, I, was, I, I think I'm right that it's not... I was thinking it was Pace Pop Pete was a member of the Master... I think what it is is I think Iron Man goes to Pace Pot Pete to come up with a solvent to free the city or some if shit. If only Zemo like, had I done that, he could have avoided Pete. insanity. What? <laughs> if only Zemo had done that, he could have avoided insanity. I remember watching, because see, this is one of my favorite episodes of the 60s Marvel cartoon, is the adaptation of this into an animated episode. Actually, I think it's a couple of episodes. Hmm. And I remember watching, I watched this not long ago and laughed my ass off because it's hysterical. It's it's really good, but it's also hysterical. You've got like Ant-Man or Giant-Man driving a truck and all this just weird shit that happens in the story. But I'm pretty sure that Pace Pot Pete isn't. Dudes, I'll tell you what, we need to just plain cover this one on an episode <laughs> of the Avengers. Done. We need to just okay. cover this story in both the comic and... And then watch them and maybe even do like a commentary for the episode would be absolutely hysterical, I think. Because <laughs> I'm sure it's out there on like YouTube or something. So that that's uh, that's going to be my pitch for the next the next time it's my turn to pick a story. That's the story I want to do. Okay. Because I'm right. that one. It's never your turn to pick. <laughs> <laughs> so would he be uh, Steady Solvent Stan instead of Pace Pot Pete? <laughs> It's either going to be that or it's going to be the uh, Sugar Daddies issue. One of the two. What? Sugar Daddies? There was was a Sugar Daddies promo that you could send away. Like, like, it was like some Sugar Daddies or something, and you could get like the free promo. This was in the 90s. Mm. Oh, okay. That book went over like a lead balloon. So just just move along. Move on. Bonk, 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 bonk. Well, I think it's time we move on to. to what we came to cover tonight, and that's going to be... Yeah, let's uh, talk some Under Siege. Under uh, Siege? Sorry. Let, let me ask you guys, before <laughs> we start talking about the issues, what was your first exposure to this storyline? Do you recall? I'm trying to think. So this would have been 86. I was still collecting, so I probably read it as it came out. Monthly. Yeah, I was still... I was collecting right up until I went in the Navy. Then I had a hiatus for about two years and then got caught back up. So, yeah, I, I was reading this at it, at, at, as it came out. 
I would have been a junior in high school. This was pretty much after I had stopped, but I was still picking up a sporadic issue here or there, here and there, and I and I had gotten this one when it was coming out new. And I, and I thought it was. I, I'm surprised it didn't pull me right back into collecting full time again. Yeah, yeah. This, this this was pretty good stuff back then. Well, it's still it's good, good stuff, stuff today. now. Yeah. It, it, absolutely. I, I'm glad you say that because uh, I'm ashamed to admit it. This is my first time reading it. Um, Get. Out. I recently. No, I'm serious. I recently got on a kick where no, I no, seriously to drop fill it in... from the call. <laughs> <laughs> I recently got on a kick where I wanted to fill in the holes in my Avengers collection. And I started with the Roger Stern issues. And I, I recently completed a collection Sorry. from, I, I forget where my collection, I, you know, I, I have a number four, but then after number four, my, my numbering jumps like way ahead. And I can solve I'm that not problem sure, for you. <laughs> I'm not sure what number it actually starts like my solid run but wherever it wherever it does start I have a solid run from whatever number that is all the way to the end of the series number 402 but it took me a while to fill them in but the cool thing about the Avengers is that most of the issues you can pick up in like 50 cent bins if you're if you're just patient enough except there's one issue of this under siege storyline that just took me forever ever to track down i'm trying to remember which issue it was it was it's not one of these first three that we're going to cover tonight it's it's one of the two issues from the conclusion of the story and it just took me forever to track it down so i i just got it relatively recently and i wanted to read the story complete i i had never read it even though i'm very fond of of the stern run of avengers this particular storyline i had never read but I knew a lot about it. I, it had been referenced in other things. And there's an event that happens in this storyline that I don't want to spoil. But I had read a story that takes place quite a ways later, quite, you know, quite some time later, that is kind of a callback to it, where, where somebody does something nice for Captain America because of something that happens to him in this story. And... When we get to that part of this, uh, I'm going to uh, have to rely heavily on our listenership to hopefully clue me in as to where exactly that story is, the, you know, the, the callback story. Because I can't remember anymore, and I would love to revisit that story. Actually, you know, I, I think I already know. I think Dave Walker had told me before. Oh, okay. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to it. I know what cool, you're yeah. talking about. It's a certain thing right, that gets cool. destroyed that gets fixed. Yes, yes, that's the thing, yeah. And I, I just want to know you know, where the other story takes place so that hopefully we can tie it in with this as sort of a, like a like an epilogue or, or you know, just an addendum because it does refer specifically to this story. But, uh, but yeah, that's it. I mean, without spoiling too much, I'm digging it. I mean, I think it's awesome. But we'll get into that when we get into our our notes and coverage and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, the bottom line is uh, to me is that without going into the specifics, this story broke all the unwritten rules about what happens in Avengers books, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what made it just so cool. Well, and, and it does build, uh, I caught something that I never, that I didn't catch the first time around reading it. Um, and I'll come to that in the synopsis. Um, 
about uh, a little side note about that. This is the time also when they weren't allowed to use the Quinjets in the city limits. They were limited by the FAA. Right. And that plays right. into this story. And I totally forgot that. I, 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 don't, I didn't even remember that for, for reading this. And I was, I'm like, oh, look at that. So, and that'll, that'll pop up at the end of, uh, of my issue. Cool. Who's got the first one? That would be me. Now, are we going to do the three synopsises back to back and then discuss, or are we going to do each synopsis and discuss before we go on to the next? Um, hmm. I don't know, because it's the first time we've done like a an arc, isn't it? Usually we just do one issue. Um, I don't know. You think... Let's see how it goes with the first one. We'll try to just do the art. I guess we'll try try to limit ourselves. Um, you guys want to try that? Whatever you guys want. Okay. Thanks. I'm so <laughs> happy. Droopy well, dog. Well, since this shows an, an outgrowth <laughs> of, of bins, I would say, you know, synopsize the issue, cover it, and then okay. do the next one, then cover you know how but that's just you know, that's just my idea with this with this show being an outgrowth of bins. Okay. Well, with that said, oh, like a little tumor on Binz's butt. <laughs> Not a tumor. Ah, I held back and uh, I sucked you in. <laughs> I was giving you the opening. I know, but I was like, oh, it, it's a trick. It's a trap. <laughs> it's got oh, I would totally good. love to see Arnold as Admiral Akbar. That would be awesome. <laughs> Move the feet, flee closer to the Death Star. <laughs> be Akbar. Act Arn Arn Ack Arnbar. Is a giant Ardvark head instead of a fish. Anyway. So you got a book? <laughs> Sorry, I was just redoing Return of the Jedi in my head. I am not your father. I'm your brother. But you're not heavy because you're my brother. Anyway, Avengers Volume 1, issue 273. Published by Marvel Comics, November 1986. On sale date, August 5th, 1986. And this information comes to you from Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. Do <laughs> <laughs> better a Marvel issue, Bill. <laughs> Mike's Amazing World of Comics. <laughs> Cover price, 75 cents, and our editor is Mark Grunewald. Cover credits are by John Buscema and inker is Tom Palmer. On the cover, we have a headshot of Dane Whitman, a.k.a. the Black Knight, giving us a rather stoic look. Surrounding Dane on both sides and the bottom are the prominent Marvel heroes of this time, the Fantastic Four, Avengers, X-Men, and more. The corner box has the current team roster and states Marvel's 25th anniversary. And, uh, you know, funny how that math doesn't add up, because aren't they claiming <laughs> recently that it's the 75th anniversary? Uh, I don't think 50 years have passed, but I guess we'll just let that go. Yeah, no wonder I feel so damn old. I know. It's, it's been like 50 years. 50 years since this came out. Christ. So um, now in that corner box art, is that Bill Senkevich, Senkevich that did that? Mm. I hate to bog us down here right at the cover, but I can't tell. I'm not sure what artist, if that's maybe that is Busema. I don't know. I would say Busama. Um, I don't know, but it had right a now. it had a Sienkiewicz look to it to me. Maybe it's because it's inked by somebody else. Maybe it's not inked by Palmer, and then maybe that's why it looks different. It just doesn't seem to match what's in the book, to me. Right. 
It's definitely not Byrne who no, no. typically did the boxes up there. Right. So yeah, I that's you, you stumped me on this because it looks very familiar, but I can't I can't place it. Mm. All right, and uh, yeah, this was the. Uh, now I don't. Did they just do this one month, or was it like all year? I know they didn't do it every. Uh, like like, did they just do all the books in this month? Or did they do it throughout the year? I know there wasn't. It was, any... it was every book that month that Marvel published had it. Okay, right. yeah. All right. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just that month or if they had spread it out over different titles over the course of the year. But yeah, there's I've got a ton of these that I'll have. Because it was all one of the characters in a single headshot. Right. So And on this one, they've got the, the nice shiny helmet of uh, the Black Knight. And our story is called Rights of Conquest. Writer, Roger Stern. Penciler John Buscema, is it Buscema? 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 I think it's Buscema, but um, Buscema. but I've heard it pronounced both ways. I probably pronounced it both ways. Tomato, tomato. Our inker is Tom Palmer, wonderful inks. Letterer James R. Novak, colorist Paul J. Beckton, and again our editor was Mark Grunwald. Our synopsis: After months of planning and surveillance, Zemo's new master of evil storm the Avengers mansion and take Jarvis captive. Next issue, divided we fall. Okay, what do we think? Ah, I'm just just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> You're such a card. All right. The Avengers Hercules is enthralled in another mighty test of his godlike strength. A bar bet. Many of the patron uh, patrons, many of the patrons in Mike's bar are being held aloft <laughs> on a table by the demigod while the crowd looks on. And believe me, we'll discuss these people in detail after the synopsis. Especially the woman in the blue dress with the red stockings. <clears throat> the Prince of Power is a mere eight seconds from winning the bet when crack! The table snaps in twain. The bartender is concerned about the cost of the table, but Herc assures him that the Avengers will cover the cost. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice having that Avengers MasterCard around or something. I don't know. A man at the bar smoking a cigar wears a purplish jacket. Hmm, purple. Why should we take notice of that? He keeps his promise to supply a round of drinks for, for everyone, even though the table broke. The stranger asks Herc, asks Herc if all of his teammates are as tough as he is. The ever-humble Hercules, not, regales the man with tales of each of his friends. The battle prowess of Captain America, the speed and power of Captain Marvel, the Black Knight's fighting skills, and the mightiness of the Submariner on land, sea, or air. Loose lips sink, hit, loose lips, Herc lets it slip that Namor is currently on leave and will return someday. The stranger took quite an interest in this info and then questions Hercules as to why he didn't mention the Wasp. Herc tries to change the topic and further questioning about the Wasp angers the prince. So much so that he throws the man out of the bar window into the street where a random truck hauling concrete is about to run him over. Hercules comes to his senses and leaps in front of the vehicle saving the man and causing tons of property damage due to the flying chunks of rock. After Herc apologizes and tends to the man, he begins to reassure those around him that once again the Avengers will cover the damages. Ka-ching, ka-ching. His bar friend, meanwhile, has slipped away and entered the back of a nearby parked van where a female yellow jacket awaits him. Once inside, he changes to his real clothing, those of the Wrecker. He had also been wearing a wire during his encounter when, with Herc. <clears throat> the two report back to a secret command post to Moonstone, who I guess is stuck with monitor duty. Moonstone tells him that the Baron will be very interested in the information. 
said Baron, Zemo that is, has entered the room and scares the bejesus out of her. He tells Yellow Jacket and the Wrecker to go about their business till further notice, and then questions Moonstone as to why she was at the monitors when she had other duties to perform. She comes up with a few lame excuses and flies out to continue her work that is very important to the plan. After she is gone, Zemo in her monologues about how she is the most dangerous of the criminals he has gathered. Also, that he must keep the others occupied as well to keep them faithful to him. He must succeed against the Avengers, where in the past his father failed. But first, he needs more information on Captain America. He also has to tolerate Moonstone until she can deal with the most powerful Avenger of all, Captain Marvel. Shazam! Oh, wait, no, sorry. Whom at that moment is passing through the moon and then speeding the Paris for breakfast, which hours later was scanned and recorded by Zemo. He must find a way to neutralize her. He enters the lab where Moonstone has the villain blackout. She insists that they, she she had insisted that they break him out of Project Pegasus. Good call back there. Always nice to see Project Pegasus come into play. And she has been working on his psyche to get Blackout to to quote unquote protect them. Blackout is able to generate a substance called substance called the Dark Force, which can confine anything. This is how they will trap Captain Marvel in an unbreakable prison. The only problem, Zemo thinks, is that Carla, Moonstone, has control over Blackout. The plotting of the two is interrupted by smashing sounds from the nearby room. Mr. Hyde is taking out his frustrations on Piledriver. Oh, that's a homoerotic sentence if I ever heard one. Hyde says, <coughs> Hyde, <laughs> Hyde says he could take on the whole wrecking crew. Okay. Moonstone's, Moonstone appears and tries to calm Hyde, but he will have nothing to do with the woman. It is only the reassuring hand of Baron Zemo that soothes his anger. What the heck? Did I, did I write fan fiction here or something? Anyway, Zemo tells Carla he will see to Piledriver while she continues to work on Blackout. Carla is concerned about the power Zemo displayed over Hyde. We learn that the incident, though, was arranged by Zemo. He had injected Hyde with his Joy Buzzer-like palm injector and sedated him, all in an attempt to confuse Moonstone. Later that evening... The Wasp and the Black Knight arrive at a celebrity gala. The Wasp makes a grand entrance in the Knight's hand and grows to normal size, but I think her dress stayed a size too small, maybe on the top. It's okay with me. She is abused by a reporter. Excuse me. She is ambushed by a computer. <laughs> I can't even read my own synopsis. She is ambushed by a reporter concerning Namor's leaving the Avengers. Thank you. Further questions are forgotten as the soldier of fortune paladin appears to save the wasp from the crowd, much to the knight's dismay. And Zemo's interest as he is watching from his control room eating popcorn, only to be interrupted by the fixer with a headband delivery. The fixer had also intercepted the news camera feed as well because Zemo is into voyeurism and he likes to watch. Enough about Zemo's personal life. He asks about Operation Flag which may have been the sequel to the arcade game Operation Wolf. Sorry, you are finished. Here. And to anyone that gets that reference, I salute you. But I digress. The news is that Captain America is in South Florida, and Fixer sent Whirlwind. Ha 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 Now, Scott, you should have got that reference, because you own the freaking game. <laughs> <laughs> to intercept him. Zemo is pleased and calls for a meeting in the clubhouse. I mean the uh, the uh, secret society room. I mean the next room. 
Gathered are the most sinister villains of all... No, wait. Uh, gathered there, Power Man, Moonstone, Wrecker, and the Wrecking Crew. Thunderball. Wah, wah, wah. Bulldozer, Piledriver, the Absorbing Man, Nick Nolte. Titana, Megacon Cosplayer. Mr. Hyde, the Fixer, Yellow Jacket, the Shark, and Blackout, who for some reason looks possibly like Andy Leyland in this picture. <laughs> Zemo gives the mother of all motivational speeches and convinces them to strike together against the Avengers. Oh, and by the way, Blackout, restrain her. Zemo's headband was a copy to the one Moonstone was using to, quote-unquote, help Blackout. So Zemo helped himself to Blackout. Once she pledges her loyalty to Zemo, he agrees to release her. He begins to tell them the plan. As we skip ahead to the mansion where Jarvis is all alone, Herc would have been here, but a young lady asked him for a moonlit cruise, just as Zemo planned it. At 11.26 it begins. The Masters of Evil rush the front gates, crushing the Omnium Steel and overwhelming the mansion's defenses. Step by step, they gain deeper access to the mansion, while Zemo and Fixer observe from overhead in a small craft, because again they like to watch. He has members in reserve waiting outside the mansion as well. Fixer picks up a distress attempt from the third floor and blocks it while the troops converge on the signal. Mr. Hyde breaks down the door Jarvis was hiding behind and threatens to break only one of his arms. As Zemo lands at the mansion, he revels in how there are no Quinjets in sight due to the fact that the government recently banned them from the city. <laughs> Another reason he was able to execute this plan. Zemo reaches the Avengers assembly room to find his masters of evil and abound and gag Jarvis sitting in a chair upon the main table. They claim victory and Zemo says yes and it shall be the first of many. Next issue, defeat follows defeat for the Avengers mightiest heroes in Divided We Fall. And that is that. Ah. <sighs> So excellent job, sir. Thank you. That's why I have to write those. <laughs> or I'd be conning it all night. <laughs> you know, the first thing that jumps out at me about this first issue is none of the heroes really engage any of the villains. Right. Except for the you know the kind of bogus Hercules throwing the uh, Rekka through the window, but he was set up for that, and he wasn't doing it in a heroic fashion. <laughs> No, and so there's, be... there's there's really no hero on on villain or villain on hero battles. Well, I mean, set, setup is the perfect word because that's that's what this issue is. It's mm -hmm. it's setting the stage, but I love it because of how it's setting the stage. It's a nice, you know, each hero gets a nice little introduction, even if it's just a simple like you know, one panel thing with Cap belting a bad guy or. Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel doing her whatever the hell it is. I've never understood her or her powers, but you know she's doing some sort of electro uh, electricity thing here. Electrolysis. Black Knight. You know, <laughs> she get rid of that hair on your back. <laughs> that uh, picture of Namor, I really like, where he's you know chucking flying a torpedo at a sub. Chucking a torpedo. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. And, you know, really, Hercules, uh, he should really be charged with assault. One <laughs> well, wait, where's a battery? Is assault saying something and battery is actually physical harm? Yeah, I can never I can never remember what, when they charged me with it. I mean, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he just chucks that guy, who we know is the wrecker, but he chucks him out a bar window into the street. Right. 
<laughs> Prince of Power. Uh, Prince I of Short, short Temper. Oh, yeah. I really love the art in this because I'm not the biggest Buscema fan in the world. I mean, I like his art and everything, but he has to be inked by the right people. And in this, Tom Palmer is definitely the right people. This, you know, this is Palmer coming right off of his stint on Marvel Star Wars, where he was the inker there for a very long time for, you know, the majority, the vast majority of the run on that book. So for me, you know, this is like going home because I just love, you know, he's basically continuing the the art style he had on Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. With the Avengers. And it's it's fantastic. I mean, I, I, Hercules has always been one of my favorite Marvel characters anyway. So I love the way he looks here inked by Palmer. There's a great shot. The first introduction shot we see of Baron Zemo. I just look at that and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I love this guy. He's always been one of my favorite villain, you know, Marvel villains. I love the look of him. I love his costume. I'd love to see some costume outfit, though. Seriously, (laughs) what? What was that? I think it's awesome. I think he's got a great. You get the fur of all right. Maybe maybe lose the fur on the shoulders and the boots. The big belt in the middle. He's cold. Skin tight pants. What? Come on. (laughs) He's got the Hyperion belt going. I mean, he's it's it's not a a belt. It's a girdle. He's got a little, <laughs> he's got a little paunch there. He's trying to keep in. <laughs> he's got the you know the puffy sleeves. I want to see him make it into the Marvel movies, and damn it, I want him to to look exactly the way he looks right here. This is a character I do not want them to alter if they bring him into the the Marvel movie universe. I could say, I love his look. I I don't disagree with you, but. If they bring him into the movie universe, he's not going to be wearing this. Right. Yeah. He he may they you know they may do the whole mask glued to his face thing, right? But, they, but they're not going to do the puffy purple shirt with the yellow striped gloves and the now, the, the now fur is... the fur lining at the at the top of his boots. Right. They're, they're not going to do all of that stuff. No way. <laughs> now this is helmet. This is the the sun. So yes. is he is he likewise glued into the thing like his dad was? Okay, I can give you a little background on him. He was introduced in an issue of Captain America. I'm thinking in the late 150s, just shortly after right. they did the uh, the the uh, 1950s Cap stories. Right. In fact, the issue that he was introduced in was a Power Records. Uh, book that came out eventually he was he was introduced as a character called the phoenix Mm. and he was basically attacking captain america and captain america didn't know why and uh he eventually subdued captain america and had him suspended over a uh a tank of like bubbling adhesive x oh good lord and he was going to get his revenge for what he did you know for what cap did to his father and long story short, the story ends with him falling into the vat of adhesive X. And those clothes uh, stuck to him, right? <laughs> well, and, and you you thought you thought he was dead at the end of the issue. They mm. they they you know it, it was sometime later that he came back as the new Zemo as opposed to Phoenix. And uh, he he's basically his he, he, the the mask isn't glued to his face, but his face is a bubbling mess. It's all like solid. That's sports. right. Because so, it seems so to me it really I had helps. Seen him. <laughs> It seems to me I had seen him at some point with his mask off, and he was all like horribly scarred and bubbled up looking well, and everything. Well, and I, is, I couldn't remember where that was. This is the character that later becomes Citizen V, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Now, you know, there is one shot in here on page 11 of the story that, because through the rest of the book, Zemo has the white eyes for the mask, but on page 11, it's the only one I spotted where he actually shows his eyes under the mask. Oh, you're right. I did not, you are absolutely right. I did not catch that. Which is odd that that's the only one, because there's other ones where there's close-up of his face, but for some reason they chose that one to show actually show his eyes. And I don't know what the... Hmm. I'm I'm not complaining. It's just kind of stuck out. This every other spot, it's like, what does he have? A little button he flips and bloop, bloop. Well, that's what I was thinking. We, when actually, we did the Captain yeah. America episode and issue uh, 56, which was a John Buscema <laughs> issue, and we were commenting how people didn't have their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> on, on the cover of that. Yeah. So 200 and some issues later, Buscema still still going to that well. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I like Mr. Hyde. I, I've always thought he was a really cool Marvel villain as well. I I have to be honest, I'm not crazy about the way he looks through the course of the story because he looks like a uh, like a l- human mad ball. He, he's just really bizarre. <laughs> he like, he's constantly like going, rah, and making yeah, all well, these that's, I think faces. that's what he's supposed to be, though. Well, like at the top of page 13, after he subdued him with the joy buzzer, but you don't know that yet, and he's walking away, that face, he's like... Oh, I love that. <laughs> he looks like a cross too. between Angel and the Ape and a troll doll. Look, look at his face in the, in the shot just before that, when, when he does put his hand on... Ah! on yeah, it's, I think it's great. It shows him to be totally insane. It's Meatloaf. <laughs> Arnold. Arnold should play Mr. Hyde. Come on! But this, whole, this whole issue is basically a slow burn. Yes. Building up mm-hmm. building up the suspense and, and and not even giving you the absolute conviction yet that they're going to be as successful as they are. Yeah, because all, only what, till the last two or three pages of the book do they actually hit the mansion. And they and, just, and they just doing plow it right through it. Was there. Yeah, yeah, because it had all been planned here. Everything had been set up, everybody was out. Um Herc had been set up on a date. Um Namor was gone. There'd be no Quinjets flying in. Everything fell into place. And, you know, boom, in like three, one, two, three, four panels. They're, they're in the mansion. They've broken down the defensives. They've taken Jarvis captive, and they're done. And, and then, you know what? When we, when we take Jarvis captive, tie him to a chair, and let's put the chair on top of a table so we could all taunt him. So he could fall over and hurt himself. <laughs> Now, in in that shot, actually, on the on the last page, with uh, Jarvis on the chair on the on the table, he looks exceptionally small. He looks to be out of proportion in the photo because he's closer to the foreground of the picture than uh, than than the villains. Now, I understand the villains would be significantly larger than him to begin with, but he oh, I looks to be saying. really small. Yeah, because for some reason, the guys behind the table and the people in front of the table look to be the same size. But he's really small. Yeah, he's like little mini Jarvis. Yeah. Well, he is a small English guy. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> is he English? Well, you're just, you're just attacking Andy Leyland right and left. I right? did not attack. Look, look, back on page with, with the big roll call of the villains, you're telling me that that does... I've seen Andy make that face. <laughs> that face that Blackout is making. That's I looked at that and I did a double take. I said, that Andy Leyland? <laughs> I mean that in a good way. I don't mean in a bad yeah, that's way. That's the best way. <laughs> How could anybody take that wrong? <laughs> Tiger Shark is acting in that page like uh like 
Nemo's yes man. Or like Mr. T. Well, he does have a mohawk. He's got the fin on his head. Shut up! Shut up, fools! Let the man speak! I, th- I think Tiger Shark is treated like a C-list villain, and he has potential of being so much more. What's funny is that I, later in this story, he just kind of, him and I, I think actually several of these guys just kind of piss off to their own adventures, too. Mm. And it, it's just kind of casually mentioned late, in later chapters that, oh, by the way, uh, you know, he's not with us anymore. He decided to go do his own thing. Because there's, there's some reference, I think it's in the issue that I'm, I'm going to cover, where there's like a, a story on the radio or something that Tiger <laughs> Shark just oh, stole yeah. a cab and just took off somewhere. And Zemo's like, yeah, well, I kind of expected he wouldn't hang around or some, something like There's just like a casual mention of the fact that you just lost one of your heavy hitters in this story. It was really kind of strange. Is is that like the villain version of dropping the mic? Tiger Shark, out. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> now, did I miss... Um, that That is Power Man, right? That was what he was calling himself? The guy yeah, at this point, he's Goliath. Yeah. No, yeah, now sure? he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah now he he's Goliath. It, he, here was, he was Power he was, Man. No. No, 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 no. He's Goliath here because he and Luke Cage actually fought for the title. Oh, Yeah, it was like uh, Power Man issue 21, 22, around there. Okay, Uh, I'm sorry. And that was before he was growing. He was just, you know, one size. He was basically, you know, the same uh, process that turned Simon Williams to Wonder Man. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they went to the same guy, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he had been somebody before that. He was what was it, the Enforcer or something like that? Oh, that was later. That came later. First, he got. Oh, the, that was later. Okay. Yeah, he got the superpowers. He he, I don't even remember what he was originally called. If he was originally Power Man, or it was that was an early issue of Avengers, like around maybe yeah. seventeen, yeah. eighteen, around there. Yeah. And oh, that's I, you're you're right. Yeah, he was first. He was Power Man, and then he became. I think it was the enforcer later on. Then he, then then he was, was like, was, early was, he issue like the, like, was he like the but, smuggler at one time too? Something like that. Maybe that was it. Yeah, but I know that there's an issue of <laughs> I think it's like Spectacular Spider-Man in the early issues where he fought Spider-Man. He's got the same outfit he's got here, but he went by a completely different name. Was so it yeah, the, it was something like the, well, the <laughs> smuggler or something like that. Was he the fruit smuggler? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> The juggler, something I don't know. The juggler, <laughs> you just thought of a new villain. <laughs> What's funny though is he actually I liked him when uh, again this is spoiling way ahead in the story, but when when the Masters actually became the Thunderbolts, um, Goliath he goes by um, Atlas. 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 That's during it. that, I actually liked Atlas. He was one of my favorite characters, so he does find a, a level of redemption. Yeah, they you know, they very much character. humanized him in that series. Yeah. But then, yeah, he's Power Man, and then Luke Cage takes on the name Power Man, and they fight for the title, and and Luke Cage beats him, and he, that's when I guess he becomes the smuggler, and then <laughs> then he, but but at that at that point he was firmly a D-list villain when he fought Spider Man as the smuggler, uh, and then then he gets the growing powers and becomes Goliath. So and they... I shut down the room with that one. <laughs> No, because I'm still giggling at the fruit smuggling joke. Like he's running around in a, in a thong. Get it? Fruit smuggler? Never mind. You are right. Because <laughs> uh, it says here, the issue I was thinking of was uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. This is actually much later than I thought. It was number 49. 
And that's what he was the smuggler during that time. Same, almost the exact same outfit, though, or, or it's very similar. There's there's a few cosmetic differences, but yeah, but he still had the growing powers, or no, or he no, he didn't have uh, he didn't during have that time. He did not. No, I think his superpower was that he was very smug. <laughs> well, his first appearance as Goliath was in uh, <laughs> Iron Man Annual Number Seven, which I actually just read for the first time not long ago where he fought Iron Man and um, and Hawkeye. And I think, I could be mistaken, but I think this was the James Rhodes Iron Man, if I'm not mistaken. But that's where he actually first became Goliath, because I think he ends up, I think he stole the uh, the growing formula. I, th- I forget now. I should remember, because it was really not long ago that I got that. Let's see. Yeah, later he gains the ability to grow to the giant size from the criminal Dr. Carl Malice, who uses a sample of Henry Pym's growth serum. He then takes on the name uh, Goliath. That's uh, not a, blah, 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 that's uh, not a villain. Fights name. James Rhodes' Spider. Okay, so I was right. James Rhodes' Iron Man and the West Coast Avengers. That's why I read that. I was trying to remember why the hell did I just read this? Because I was on a read through of uh, West Coast Avengers. That's why. And it just happened to take place during that whole timeline. So I just read it in the progression of reading those early issues of West Coast Avengers. That's what it was. You know, it's a shame that, that people get stuck stuck with careers based on their name in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, hi, I'm villain Dr. Carl Malice. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> what about poor, uh, what's his name? I don't remember what his first name is. Oh, Leland Owlsley. <laughs> yeah. I guess owl. i got to become the owl now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> not only not only is my name Owlsley, but I have this stupid Wolverine hair. Who's there? Who? <laughs> and, I, and I like to wear I like to wear a big cape when I walk around. Uh, so has anybody got uh, anything they'd like to point out about the opening splash page? Splash. Page. It's awesome. Oh, you 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 talking about the lady with the uh... <laughs> talking about the. Annie Fanny there, Playboy magazine there on the left, <laughs> who's rather excited to be sitting on the table. <laughs> I can't believe they got away with that. I looked at that and went, "What?" Well, you you but but look at the lady dead center. Oh man, she's she, she's spread, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> Legs up in the air, akimbo, kicking wide. Jeez, lady, relax, okay. And and then what about the, the the schlub all the way on the right? How is he not falling off? <laughs> the guy in the red ball cap. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got good balance. <laughs> I mean, everybody's rocking and jumping back and forth, and that guy's just standing there. <sighs> then you got the uh... the guy smoking a cigarette, covering his ears. What? Yeah, you got, you got Mr. <laughs> Mr. Whipple. Mr. Whipple. Oh yeah. Uh, and then yeah, this is quite the assortment of characters here. And then the table breaks. Correct. Yeah, that one that that one woman definitely looks like little Annie Fanny though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another good cartoon, kids. So go look it up. And then and then look, <laughs> you get to page two, and look at the way she's standing. It's the way she's very, standing, yelling at the bartender. <laughs> Come and on. she's bending over, showing her, you know. Showing her rack. Mm, yeah. Very little Annie Fanny-like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he uh, if he was playing with that a little. Could be intentional. Could very well be intentional. Be. His kids wouldn't catch it. No. You know? 
Well, how could they not? That first one, jeez. I love shot of uh, of her stopping the truck, but how is that driver not dead, or at least oh, like because the guy said he had his seatbelt on? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, thanks to my seatbelt, but my truck's a mess and my spine's up broken. <laughs> what what's up with this outfit for Hercules, though? Why is he wearing a WWF wrestler <laughs> outfit? <laughs> the big H. I liked it better when he first came around. He was wearing like the kilt. Yeah, yeah, I like that look too. Yeah, I'm not sure where when he adapted this particular one. I, I think there was a story where the other one got burned off him or something, but I might be thinking of the Leighton miniseries. I forget. That might be why he changed his outfit in that one, because his other one got burned up. I forget. I guess this I one's very 80s, but I don't like it at all. Mm. Really? You don't? I mean, I like, I like, I like it. It's my favorite I don't like version. the costume. I mean, I'll take this one any day over some of the later ones that he would adopt because he he had some ugly outfits later, and I never liked clean shaven Herc that we get later on. Uh, yeah. No, I don't I like clean shaven. Never, never, never like that. I, I like him like this. I like how large, moving, random trucks full of concrete just drive around in the city like that. <laughs> but uh, you know what? If it was a typical comic, it would say explosives on the side, <laughs> and it would be careening down a hill at a weird angle. Yeah. <laughs> you guys think of Captain Marvel? Shazam! I, oh, sorry. Well, I, I actually, in my synopsis, I... I going to address I that? I mentioned her slightly, so I'll, okay. I'll reserve my opinion, and we can discuss her maybe in a little while. I know All they right. kind of depowered her for a little bit, but now apparently she has... Uh, if I'm, I'm trying to get caught back up on the recent Avengers. I went back and I bought like 80... I think I t- told you guys before, I picked up like 70, 75 issues from my LCS for a buck a piece. Um, yeah. T- trying to get, oh, that's right. I told you that at MegaCon, so maybe Paul hadn't heard this. The, yeah. I, and I think, didn't she, I think she just became Captain Universe. Didn't she? Did she? I thought so. It, towards the end of Infinity, perhaps? Or maybe I don't see, know. That would Good be kind of interesting. See, I, I don't mind her. I don't mind her. I just don't like her as Captain Marvel. But, I mean, she's had other identities because after the after Captain Marvel, she became, I forget what she Photon. was called. And then she became Futon for a while. Futon. These, <laughs> these other identities. I don't mind any of those. I just don't like her as Captain Marvel because I think Captain Marvel should be cool. And she's interesting, but she's not particularly cool. I mean, there's there's other characters I think far better deserve the the name of Captain Marvel. Like, you know, why why wasn't Quasar ever Captain Marvel? I thought he had a better power set and he had the freaking Nega bands, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't. Oh no, he had Quantum bands, but still, I mean, pff, uh, you know, I don't particularly like uh, Carol Danvers being Captain Marvel now. Yeah, I, I know. Ms. Marvel was fine. Ms. Marvel, I, I, yeah, I like her as Ms. Marvel, but yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I have nothing against her, but I just I can remember when this character became Captain Marvel in that Spider-Man annual, and I'm like, really, really this this is this is your new Captain? Okay. And what's I, I think that my of her boobies. Oh yeah, she Oof. does too. And she looks like she's wearing like a fish, you know, like a fishing net or something too. It's so you you would imagine it's kind of sheer and see through and oh yeah, makes me all tingly. All right, we'll be back in five minutes, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, what's up? What's up with these people showing up for this thing in in their superhero costumes? Paladin and, and the Black Knight. Uh, some some fancy black tie dinner and show up in a. It's a March of Dimes celebrity gala. Yeah, it's a celebrity thing. Yeah, yeah. that'd be uh, like yeah, you the... showing up as Joey Fatone. Yeah, back in the <laughs> back in the you know back in the forties, the superheroes used to do stuff like this all the time. You know, for charity and stuff. It's for the kids, man. And and when the that... wasp first grows to full size, they have the people there from that issue of uh, Thor that we covered, the first issue with Loki. When he turned the people into the black and white negatives. <laughs> <laughs> All the behind her. Well, you know, back up. If you back up two, well, actually th- three panels. Is that Pip the Troll with a camera there when they're getting yeah. out of the... <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the next woman you see looks like she's going to eat the wasp. She's like, ah! <laughs> yummy. <laughs> I'm hungry. And, uh, and backing up one more panel. Look at the size of that jo- that that stinger, he that buzzer he had in his hand. If he closes his fist, he's gonna push that thing through his finger. That uh, that, ow, that, that <laughs> he just becomes compliant. <laughs> yeah, he just he sedates himself <laughs> and falls over, you know, or or he just laughs and, put, and he and he puts his hand on his head. <laughs> uh, thud. <laughs> now, uh, just with the Zemo costume again, those things he has at the side of his head. Do they have a functional purpose, or are they just to look cool? Those are it's a Walkman. Those, I, was like, just, like I, I have my I have my earmuffs on. <laughs> I have stereo iPods. He was way ahead of the game, and that front thing is his nano controller. He just taps his head, changes the station. <laughs> he is totally jamming out, not listening to anything anybody else is saying. What was that? What? What? <laughs> yeah, Wasp. I think Wasp stole her eye makeup from Dazzler for the gala. <laughs> She's got the blue eye makeup on. And uh, the Black Knight is having none of Paladin. He's like, get out of here. Horning in on my action. Bastard. So. All right, we got two more issues to go, fellas. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. So let's, let's hop into issue 274. Cover is, once again, by John Buscema with Tom Palmer. And it has the words, Hercules Last Stand, written on it. And it shows Hercules being held by Piledriver as the rest of the wrecking crew, along with Mr. Hyde, Tiger Shark, and Goliath, are ready to open up a can of whoop-ass on him. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty well laid out, but the detailed work on the cover, I think, is kind of weak, uh, which is very not Tom Palmerish, but if it just doesn't look like it's... Uh, it, it, it almost looks unfinished to me in some ways. Uh, the story is titled Divided We Fall, and it opens with Zemo and the Fixer in a uh, very complicated-looking control room where they're watching a view screen with the Black Knight at the gates of the mansion. He comes in and realizes immediately that something's wrong because the lights are out, so he unsheathes his sword and is immediately attacked by the villainous female Yellow Jacket, which is followed immediately by Mr. Hyde punching him through the wall and then bursting through the wall like the Kool-Aid Man. Hyde beats the shit out of the knight and only stops because Yellow Jacket reminds him that they're supposed to keep him alive. They bring his unconscious form to a meeting room where the masters are gathered. They yak it up a bit but decide that they should celebrate. They shouldn't celebrate, rather, while they still have others to humble. And we cut to Monica Rambeau, who was going by the name Captain Marvel at that time, purely for copyright purposes. She receives an urgent call from the Wasp telling her to come to the main assembly, which he does, 
and she's got the light powers, so she gets there with the speed of light, and she immediately realizes that it's a trap! And uh, Blackout encases her in his dark energy, and it folds in on itself until she's gone. Meanwhile, Yellow Jacket is trying to hack the computer files and fends off an over-amorous fixer, fixer. Zemo then comes in and rants a little bit. In our next scene, we join Janet Van Dyne, who didn't feel she was slutty enough in the last issue, so now she's just wearing a skimpy bikini. <laughs> and uh, Captain America drops in from a helicopter and, and lands on the diving board, doesn't crack it, and does a whole big flip thing. Uh, he's concerned that he called the mansion and spoke to someone who sounded like her, but wasn't responding appropriately, so they know that something's wrong because she wasn't at the mansion to respond in the first place. So, so like, what, what did he ask her? Um, so what are you wearing? <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we cut back to the mansion where the wrecking crew are, uh, well, wrecking. <laughs> Uh, the Wasp is performing a reconnaissance mission, and she goes to where Jarvis is being held, and he clues her into what's going on. Cut to Hercules, who's getting out of a limo in front of the mansion. He's drunk and was just with Ahua, who Zemo paid to get him drunk. Uh, before he can go into the mansion, he's stopped by a plain-clothed Cap and the Wasp, and they tell him what's going on. So rather than wait for reinforcements, he bursts into the mansion... And he starts battling with the Tiger Shark. Wasp and, Ca and Cap try to give him some backup, but Zemo uses the mansion's defense system against them. They take uh, Cap prisoner, but don't even bother with the Wasp. And Blackout then encases the mansion in a cube of his dark energy. Meanwhile, Hercules is battling Hyde and the Wrecking Crew, and he's holding his own despite the fact that he's three sheets to the wind at this point. But then Goliath joins the battle and uses Hercules as a human battering ram, knocking him out and followed by them all piling on and just beating on him. Ooh. Cut to the Wasp, who's unable to penetrate the dark matter around the mansion. And then we quickly cut back to the inside where Zemo's abusing Cap by kicking him in the face while the other masters look on and laugh. He tells Cap that one of his teammates has just expired. And at that point we see the outside of the mansion where the dark force spits out Hercules' Hercules's limp body and the wasp can't find his pulse. Next issue, even a god can die. Dun, dun, dun. So now we just, as far as story-wise, we just kind of raise the stakes a lot. From the really, it's really kicking in gear now. Yeah. Yeah, this this is where where you know this is where you start seeing that this is gonna this story is gonna be something special. This isn't just you know hero versus villain, hero wins, end of story. This is gonna be something beyond what we're used to, and uh, I think it's awesome. Uh, but I, I agree. I can keep saying that over and over again <laughs> with each issue that we do because they're all awesome. The fist I, coming through the wall, hitting the Black Knight right in the helmet. Yeah, it's like he's measuring it out. Okay, no, 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 one more foot. Okay, punch. <laughs> I just come to the wall like the Kool Aid Man. Oh yeah, cuss smack, crash a bang a boomer. 
I it, think my so problem much... with the with the way Hyde's drawn, like I said before, he looks like a man. Is that he often looks like he doesn't have a nose? That's part of the problem here. That's probably why he's that's, mad. That's true. Look at the shot. <laughs> I got no nose. <laughs> I have no shot. nose, and I must he's sneeze. Down. He's punching down on uh, the Black Knight. The on uh, page five. Oh, and the, mm-hmm. uh, and the knight holding this, his hand up like no. This this the second shot where it says, "And I shall be your death." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that that's just an awesome shot. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And he's got a nose and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but then if you go to the next panel where Yellow Jacket's holding him back, the nose no away. <laughs> now he looks yeah. like a muppet. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, if he sang Menomina, I Mr. would Hyde. love this do, issue do, so much. Do, do, do. He could do Menomina with, with uh, the Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> Cobra does the do-do-do-do-do, and he does the Menomina. <laughs> I am not a fan of the Wasp, although she is smoking hot on page nine, dude. Where Cap jumps out of the helicopter. That's a great little sequence. I really like that. Although, wouldn't that diving board just kind of snap into yeah, that's those dogs? Cap goes right in the drink. You, you got to figure Cap's, you know, Cap's like what, 6'3, 225 pounds. Yep. And he's diving from what, 50 feet in the air? Yep. That board is snapping like. But he bent with the board. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no. No, but yeah, it's still a well-drawn sequence if you can accept the physics of the board not snapping. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. Wasp was, you know, listening to a boombox there. Maybe that sound wave from the Transformers. <laughs> oh, I got my. I didn't even notice right. the boombox. That is way too close to the edge of that pool, too. She's not being safe. <laughs> well, it's battery powered. She's fine. <laughs> I like the reference to the porcupine. We see the porcupine's outfit in the uh, Avengers trophy room. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they're outraged by it. <laughs> Outrageous! They should be laughing their asses off. The porcupine's one of the goofiest-ass Marvel villains ever. <laughs> it's on display well, like some kind of trophy. Evil at one point? Mm. Was he? I think he may have been in on in one of the, one of the incarnations. Was he with the Farias group, I think? Uh, Back in the X Men. All I know is there's no way that guy can wipe his own ass. Just there's no way. Ow! 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 It's even worse if I gotta pee. Goes to a birthday party, they drop a bunch of balloons down. Pop! 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 pop. <laughs> you you know what I like about this issue too is is I think he turned convention on its ear once again. Because you just assume Cap and the Wasp are going to save the day. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still, you know, they're out there. They know about what's going on. The Masters of Evil don't know that they know. And you assume they're going to put a plan into place and they're going to, you know, save the whole thing. Meanwhile, they both get captured. Well, Cap gets captured and Wasp, they just, you know, they don't think much more of it than Hank Pym does. Hmm. I like that Herx just had enough of the wasp. That that plays out. <laughs> I, I was gonna say realistically, you know, it's comic you. book realistic, but it, it still just play. It plays out realistic to me that a god during this time is, is just not gonna deal well with this little woman, especially the friggin' wasp. Who I'm sorry, 
it, it takes a long time. And I think this story kind of is helping, but it takes a long time for her to kind of be accepted as like a real Avenger. Now I realize that she's one of the founding members and everything, but she's always been a pretty lame ass character. This story is going to help beef her up a little bit, but still, yeah, Hercules taking orders from the Wasp? Nah, I don't think so. And I like that that's just how this story plays, too, that he's just like, nope, I'm not dealing with this. I'm Hercules. I'm going to go do my own thing. And he gets his ass kicked because this this comes back. You know, we we mentioned before about uh, years later that Goliath would become Atlas, in the Thunderbolts, there's a great issue of the Thunderbolts where, oh yeah, uh, after a time, Hawkeye becomes the leader of the Thunderbolts, and Hercules comes looking for Goliath. You know, of course, again, Goliath is now Atlas, but he comes to him and basically he wants a rematch. He wants to beat Atlas's ass for the beatdown that he got in this particular issue. And I love it because there's something in that issue. Herc says something to the effect of, you know, you laid me low. And so he's come looking for round two, essentially. Yeah, he was drunk. And that's a really good issue. A really good issue of of Thunderbolts. I mean, that's just brutal. He picks him up by his leg, smashes his head in, I mean, against everything, and then just takes his face down right into the concrete. Yep. And then then the Wrecking Crew and Hyde beat the the crap out of him. Yep, they, they pummel him. Yeah, and then Fozzie Bear must be there because I see it says waka waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good stuff. Really and then when Zemo's stuff. kicking uh, Cap in the head, and then the next panel down, man, Cap's a bleeder. Yeah, well, I like that. that you know, it's, it's not just he kicked him in the face and all is well. He's, you know, he kicked him in the face. Now he's got a bloody face. That's what would really happen. Yeah. I love that first panel on the last page. You've got Cap kind of in the foreground. We're we're kind of it, it's kind of like oh, the, where the he's third. he's got his arm propped on the shield. Yeah, he's very, just very casual with his arm cap uh, propped up on Cap's shield. Zemo is. It's just I, that's a beautiful shot. I really like that. He's so casual. You know, he's just full of of confidence and everything. That he's got the upper hand. There's nothing. You know, the, he can't be defeated in this moment, and that really works well for this story. Just a great visual. I mean, Zemo is just it, he just exudes badass through this whole story. He's confident in, in what he's doing, and even in white fur. Not not only is he <laughs> confident, but for the most part, he's. He's planned for the various contingencies of what's going right. to happen. It's it's a you know a very well thought out plan that he took his time putting into into play, you know mm-hmm. to the point of of hiring a hooker to to take Hercules yeah. and get him drunk. <laughs> Plus, I think when he's got his his el- his elbow on the shield, he's got a rather suggestive position where his gun's pointing. He's like, "See my gun cap? See how big my gun is?" <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> So wrong. So <laughs> wrong. Hey, I didn't draw it. <laughs> well, are we ready for the last one? Yep, let's go. Have at thee. All right. So Avengers number 275. This is the January 1987 issue. Original cover price, 75 cents. Cover, again, by uh, Busema, Busima, and Palmer. 
Even a God Can Die is the name of the story written by, again, Roger Stern and with art by John Rusima and Tom Palmer. And I'm not going to go into everybody else that's on the issue. It's all the same, uh, the usual suspects. So Hercules is rushed into emergency surgery while the wasp can do little but wait and worry. The Ant-Man, having heard about the craziness going on at the Avengers Mansion over the radio, offers, uh, you know, he arrives to offer his help, essentially. Now, this is the Scott Lang version of Ant-Man, not the Hank Pym, ex-husband of Wasp, ver- uh, ex-husband of Wasp version of Ant-Man. And so the Wasp, she's, you know, thankful for his company and for his offer of assistance and all that, but she fears that with everything that's going down between you know, what's happening with Hercules and Cap being kidnapped and Captain Marvel going gone missing and everything, that this may very well be the end of the Avengers. And she feels really bad because all this stuff has happened on her watch. She's the chairwoman of the team during all this. So back at the mansion, Cap tries the old, you know, you've got me, Zemo, let these other people go, meaning Jarvis and uh, the Black Knight. He tries that ploy on Zemo, and it just totally fails to work. Zemo, instead, just to prove how nasty he is and what his intentions are, he slaps the bejesus out of poor Jarvis, and then he swears that uh, none of you will leave here alive, which is pretty, like, ooh. So he and Cap have a little exchange, a little back and forth, and Zemo actually manages to squeeze in an explanation of how he survived seemingly being killed by the Red Skull's daughter way back in uh, Captain America number 301 and how that little adventure, the way all that played out, kind of set the stage for his further obsession with finally defeating Captain America and he, he has to take Cap down. He's, he's looking at this as a matter of family honor at this point and because it involves family and, and his family, he gets to thinking that maybe the way to get to Cap is to attack Cap's family. Well, since Cap's kind of a man out of time, the only real family he has is the Avengers. So that kind of brings the story full circle and why Zemo's doing what he's doing, that yes, he's he's taking down, and he's at this moment defeating the Avengers, but really it all comes back to Captain America. This is all about taking his revenge on Cap, and he's doing that through Cap's family, the Avengers. So I think that's really a, an interesting way to uh, to tie this all together. There's also a really nice little moment here that I never realized before that an issue that I like a whole lot of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man number 283, where uh, Spider-Man, and I believe Spider-Woman, if I'm not mistaken, they fight the Absorbing Man and uh, Titania, at an airport, I think. And I never realized that that was actually tied into this because Zemo gets a report from the two of them and that issue of uh, Amazing Spider-Man is actually footnoted during this portion of the story. I just thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, we have a brief interlude with Captain Marvel while she's still trapped in the uh, that weird dark dimension, the uh, thing that uh, was cast on her by Blackout. And she's kind of freaking out at this point because she's speeding all over the place at light speed but just cannot seem to find a way out of this and uh, she's kind of starting to lose it back at the hospital uh, ant-man tries to comfort 
uh, the wasp and basically telling her, you know, it's not your fault and everything. And she kind of snaps on him and everything that it is her fault. She's leading the Avengers. So everything that's going on is her fault. She's taking the weight of the world onto her shoulders. And just about that time, the doctor comes out and says, uh, you know, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your friend didn't make it. And a nice little panel at the bottom of the page of uh, Ant-Man just kind of holding the wasp. He's dead, and, Jan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having to come to, to terms with the fact that uh, Hercules died on her watch. So she goes in to just kind of spend a little time with the body and... Uh, I guess just to kind of make her peace of the situation, give her condolences, that sort of thing. When all of a sudden there's actually a, a heartbeat on the monitor, it actually goes off. So she calls the doctor and the team back in. They come in and look and miraculously, probably due to the fact that he's a god and his body and chemistry and everything just works differently. He actually is still alive, but his heartbeats are something like, uh, like every 10 minutes. So hmm. he's, he's still alive he's still gonna make it or at least possibly make it but it's just something really weird is going on with him he's in this like deep god coma type of thing he's in the odin sleep yeah that's see that's what I, that was what i was thinking too it's similar to like the the odin sleep but i didn't know if the if the um wouldn't that be the zeus sleep? sleep greek god hercules sleep the zeus sleep <laughs> a bunch of z's now this in the marvel universe this is what the greek Greek pantheon, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know if they had an equivalent of something like the Odin sleep, but I, I would imagine. I, don't, I honestly don't know if Odin has the Odin sleep, or if Marvel just made that up. <laughs> He's just tired. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know if Norse mythology has a such thing. As oh no, I didn't mean that. But I mean, in in the Marvel universe itself, does does the Marvel equivalent of the Greek gods do they have something? Because I don't remember Zeus ever having like the Zeus sleep, you know, or anything like that. Zeus but... comes out with the big pajamas and fuzzy slippers, <laughs> like Odin does every once in a while. <laughs> so, you know, they, when Odin comes out, he should be like clutching a little teddy bear. <laughs> That's what I've said. Uh, yeah, I, totally. Little teddy bear, the little the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Thor, be be good and play with Loki bear. Mm. <laughs> and you so see, him, you see him laying in the giant Odin bed with the two things in each hand. <laughs> <laughs> So it's starting to feel a little bit of hope in this situation that uh, that maybe, you know, everything's going to turn out all right, at least with the Hercules part of the thing. When all of a sudden there's like a basically an earthquake rocking the uh, the hospital, they go to investigate and find that the hospital is being attacked by the absorbing man and Titania. They have shown up to basically at Zemo's request, finish the job with Hercules. So back at the mansion where you check in once again with Zemo and Zemo is proving just what a just what a vicious sadistic prick he can be so he has Captain America all kidnapped he's all tied up Cap can't free himself and he's kind of hope uh, helpless in this scene to just watch as Zemo begins to destroy Cap's mementos he tears up a picture a vintage picture of him and Bucky from not long before Bucky was killed he gives Cap's original shield, the, um, what would you call this, like a chevron-shaped shield? Triangular? To, triangular shield, yeah. Gives it to Mr. Hyde, and Mr. Hyde just crushes it into a ball. And I love the panel here where it's just Cap 
just has this look and he just says, I'll remember this Zemo. And he's looking very defiant, but at the same rate, the artist really managed to put some sorrow into the into the emotion that's on his face without really... And he looks like he's looking down a little bit. Yeah, he does. He, he's, he's visibly upset by this, but he's trying not to let Zemo know that Zemo's getting to him. Yeah, it's basically like he's beaten, but he's not giving up. Exactly. So Zemo decides that, well... This doesn't seem to be working, so he switches tactics and he gives Jarvis to Mr. Hyde. And in front of Captain America and the Black Knight, Hyde proceeds to just beat the shit out of poor Jarvis. And you can see the viciousness of the attack. We don't don't really see Jarvis getting the beating, but we hear Jarvis screaming. We hear the sounds of the beating as uh, Hyde delivers it. It's pretty vicious and really nasty. And so the Black Knight is trying to summon his sword, his mystical sword, so that he can escape. And uh, Yeah, because he gets woken up by the screams of Jarvis. Right. Don't you so... think in the, the just uh, I'm getting off topic for a second, but the full close up of the Black Knight's face in that one panel does that kind of look like Chris Evans? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Chris Evans is Cap and Johnny Storm, but this, you know, and this was done years ago, but it, it's got a Chris Evans vibe there. With Maybe it's just the hair. Maybe it's the look up that, it, that he's making. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. No, that's fine. I, see, I really like the Black Knight, but unfortunately I don't see him ever being one of those Avengers that we're going to see on the big screen, which I think is kind of a shame because I, I actually like the Black Knight. I think he's a pretty interesting character. Well, one of the great things about the movie franchise, though, is I think you know as actors get older and they have to recast certain roles, there isn't any reason why they can't buy time by bringing in new characters, too. Oh, definitely. So you could definitely bring in the the Black Knight at some point, but you'd have to, you know, he, you, I, don't, you'd, I don't think you'd ever bring him in as one of the primary guys. Right. But he could. I think they could work him in. I think they can work anyone in. It's possible. It depends on where they go with, with the Avengers movie franchise. Because, come to think of it, I, I guess they could if they kind of use like the the model that Fox is using with their X-Men movies where they've managed to squeeze in a lot of mutants that we've seen over the years. And sometimes it's it's nothing more than just, you know, a, a couple of seconds on screen, but you got them in. You know, mm-hmm. you got the opportunity to see them even if it was just for a couple of seconds. So that being the case, yeah, I, I guess that could happen. I, I don't see him ever becoming like one of the big guys, but it's possible that if they continue to grow that roster over subsequent movies, that, yeah, I guess eventually they might get around to the Black Knight and some of the other more obscure Avengers characters. Sure, why not? Demon. <laughs> no. <laughs> so basically this story wraps up, uh, just to make a long story short here, where... At first, the Wasp and Ant-Man realize that, you know, basically it's a, it's a holy crap moment of, you know, this we are completely out of our league here. You know, we're facing the Absorbing Man and Titania. There's no way the two of us, mere little shrinking characters, are going to be able to go up against these guys that can stand up to likes of, you know, Thor. Yet, through... You know their ingenuity and cleverness and taking advantage of the fact that uh, neither one of these bad guys is terribly bright 
Miraculously, the Wasp and Ant-Man actually do manage to take the two of them out before they can uh, fulfill their mission to, you know, kind of put the the final nail in uh, Hercules's coffin. And at the end of this, this little adventure has really helped shore up the Wasp's confidence that not only is you know has this portion of the battle turned out all right, but now maybe they can recover everything that's happened and she says uh, at the end here the masters of evil still have control of the mansion they still have hostages but i swear uh they have won their last round now it's our turn next issue revenge and uh i'm really excited for where this is going i have not read beyond this point i do know that the cover to the next issue is frig and awesome so i'm really looking forward to where this is going very it's, very excited about this. It's not as dramatic as as the issue I'm about to call back to, but it gives you the same feel as the Hellfire Club issue of the X Men, where mm-hmm. the X Men are totally defeated, and then they show Wolverine down in the sewers, and he's ready to go mm-hmm. and take them out. Same kind of feel, like oh my god, they're coming! You know, they're gonna, they've they've got total you know defeat. And now it's now it's the time where they're going to turn the tables. Like you have that same feeling, and like I said, it, this is one of the ones where like you can't wait for the next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, our <laughs> listeners are going to have to wait for the next month. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I really liked this issue, and going into it, I wasn't really expecting to because I I make absolutely no secret of the fact that I really don't care for the Wasp. I I think she's a very weak character. However. As I said before, this issue goes a whole long way in adding some much-needed character to her. Because she she had, for me personally, she had kind of the, the two strikes against her right off the bat. Because for one, she's, yet again, a shrinking character that shrinks down and it does has never seemed terribly powerful to me. It's like she shrinks down and she stings people. Whoopty shit, you know? So that just never seemed all that impressive. Plus, the other strike against her is that I never saw her as having much of a personality. Much like all the other Marvel women that Stan Lee created, she was just kind of a, a, a power a powder puff. You know, she was just kind of there. She was the ditzy girl of the group. She was the one that was constantly in danger or mooning over one of the other male characters, usually Thor. And just never seemed to have much of anything to make her interesting. And, you know, thank God for uh, Roger Stern, man. He, I think he saw that. And he's making a conscious effort with this particular storyline to give this woman a friggin' personality and, and turn her around a little bit. Because the story starts out with her crying and lamenting the fact that, gee, it was my turn at bat and I totally, you know, dropped the ball. Whereas by the end of this, she's like, you know what? We're staging a comeback. We're going to go in there to the mansion, and we're going to kick their asses, and we're going to get our people back. And I'm like, yeah, cool. That's, this back is like, where I wanted to see this go. LL Cool Jan. Jan going to knock <laughs> you out. Mama said knock <laughs> you out. <laughs> the, the very, very last panel in the issue. The, the is close-up it me? of her face? Is it me, or does that look like it's drawn by Carmine Infantino? It's got some sweeping eyebrows to it, like him. 
she I, is I see what you're very saying. similar to Princess Leia from the Marvel comics. And I, I think I think that just because, it, again, it's Tom Palmer and this is the run that he just came off of. So, yeah, I do. I think she actually looks more like Wanda right there than she mm-hmm. looks like Jan. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because the cheekbones and everything. Yeah. Because she lo- she's got more of a harsh look. And I never really thought, uh, you know, Jan, you know, usually has that that kind of impish um you know playgirl type of you know the the poor little rich girl look to her and here she suddenly gets serious and when she gets serious she looks a little she's a little scary looking and and i i see her very much very wanda like in this particular shot but i like it though I was a little bit freaked out when she sweeps you know she swoops down out of the sky and she picks up um, the absorbing man kind of flies him away from Hercules and then she zaps him and he crashes to the floor. She appears to be pretty much normal size when she does all this. I thought she couldn't do all that stuff at normal size during this particular era. Mm-hmm. I thought that as well. So I was going really to ask awesome. you that. Yeah, because I thought her wings, she have a wings? her wings only came out when she was... But, you know, maybe... Like, her wings come out as she shrinks, but maybe she's not full size yet yeah i i I had trouble figuring that out but if she's not full size then it doesn't seem like she would have the ability at that size to pick up and carry Mm. somebody as massive plus carrying that giant uh wrecking ball as the absorbing man yet she does so it's it's a little weird i do like that scene though i think scott lang is going to take titana out a little later there in that next panel he's got her Mm -hmm. slipped over his shoulder yeah, I'm going to take care of her. See ya. <laughs> Has anybody seen Titania for a few weeks? I don't know. But I would like to have seen what would have happened if the Absorbing Man had touched Hercules as he had planned, though, because I didn't think his powers quite worked that way. So that would have been interesting to see what would happen. I'm trying to think. I know he's been defeated a lot of times by stupid things he's touched. Yeah, touch uh, that water. touch that glass ah shatter but see that's the thing is i i thought he had to touch basically inanimate elemental type things i i I don't remember a time you know because obviously he gets into tussles with heroes so i don't remember a time when he would like punch spider-man and then suddenly he had spider powers he he doesn't absorb the powers but i I guess you know and he absorbs the properties of matter and and I guess he does it on a cellular level. So if he touched Hercules, he would you know you you would think his cellular makeup is different from a normal human, and that maybe he would have the he would be absorbing the toughness of the skin and all of that, and and right. and his strength is always proportionate to what he touches. what it is what it is he's touching. So if he touches steel, obviously he'd be more powerful than if he touched you know aluminum. Because hasn't uh, he hasn't he turned in the wood before and that's alive? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I think it, you know on a cellular level he takes on the properties of it, not necessarily the superpowers of it. Right. The only real so, nitpick I've got is back on page eighteen, which kicks off this whole fight to where Wasp and Ant Man turn us turn this around. Is that Jan stings him in the eyes? But he's made out of metal, and therefore his eyes would be made out of metal. So either he's just, it's a reaction, a reflex that he's going, ah, 
because she hit him in the eyes because that should not have hurt him. I think you're mischaracterizing it because he actually goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yumping yimini. You hit me in the eyes. <laughs> you got me in the eyes. Oh, oh I got to pretend I'm human. Yeah. Well, isn't, doesn't that, isn't that in, uh, the issue that we covered in, uh, in, in Avengers Spotlight 2 when uh, they do something to Hercules? Oh, you've blinded me. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then when, uh, of course, this one reference just dates this book because uh, Scott Lang punches him and says, yeah, just like Burt Reynolds bopping Robert Klein and Hooper. Yeah, that was very awkward. That just takes you right. It's like, whoop, 80s. <laughs> yeah, it, it's things like that are to be avoided. Yeah, Hooper was something I just never, ever needed to, to be reminded of again. And I even, even think about that for a second. a good movie. Yeah, that was where he plays the stuntman. Yes. Yeah. 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 But even if it was a movie that you th- considered to be an all-time classic, you're still dating the uh, reference. Right. So I, I think things like that are to be avoided. I think putting specific years, you know, assigning specific years to things is a mistake. And and I think by the time this issue came out, they should have known that. Right. I, you know, I understand in the 60s where they might have done things and they might have thought, well, you know, it's it's we're just doing this to sell it now. But by the time the 80s came around, they knew that these books had a, had a, a much longer shelf life. Yeah, because I remember... Stern... D- uh, D- I'm sorry, go ahead. DC did the same thing in a Teens Titans issue. I remember around New Year's, there, I distinctly remember a panel to where Raven flies out of, like, the Times Square clock, and it has, like, 1983 or 1984 on, a, like, a big marquee, and she flies through it, and that, that sticks in my head as a, you know... A, a dating moment in a book yeah. that that's... oh it's happened a lot yeah i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm saying by the time this came out they should have known better yeah but they didn't <laughs> they didn't they no didn't they didn't on that knowledge no see i i think in, you know for one thing yes it's a, it's a trope of comics of this time but also i think that was a popular trope of roger stern now i love the guy and i'm not knocking him because he is uh you know one of, one of if not my favorite comic book uh, writer, but he did very frequently make topical references that whenever I look back at books of his or runs of his, those references really leap out and, and date his material, unfortunately. But yeah, he, he did it actually quite a bit. And I, I think it was, uh, I can only guess, but I think it was to give his particular stories that distinctive topical feel that as you read them as they were new coming out it kind of felt um i don't know modern or or you know uh you know it was relatable if you were you know a young person or whatever something like that if you happen to be a big hooper fan i guess you know if you if you were up on your on your pop culture then you know it seemed again topical but one of the things i really like about this storyline because you know again with it being roger stern it, it just reminded me so much of all the reasons i've always really really loved this guy as a as a comic book writer i never really consciously thought about it before but it, it kind of jumped out at me reading this is that roger stern to me is, is one of those wonderful bridge writers between like the old school way that that comics particularly marvel comics were written and kind of the the newer generation so this 
this lives like right in that perfect middle ground. It, it's not as wordy or as exposition heavy as something, say, by Stan or by Roy Thomas. Yet there's real meat to it. And it's, it doesn't read like something by like Bendis, you know, where you can read it, you know, in, in you know, a, a 30 second walk from, you know, the fridge to the couch type of thing. It, it lives right in that middle ground. And I, I like that. I, I like that a lot. It's one of the things I really like about his particular writing style. Plus, to my mind, and I, I could be dead wrong about this. There's probably other comic book writers that other people could could point out that did this too and did it before Stern. But to my memory, Stern was really the first one I recall that spent a lot of time, sometimes in entire issues or entire uh, story beats with just the, the human element of the characters. Instead of giving you a big battle or a big fight that lasted the entire issue, sometimes he would just give you like in this very first issue we looked at, you know, 273, there was there was action in the issue, but as you know, you guys pointed out, there wasn't like the big fight didn't happen till the next issue. So you really got a lot of buildup of the characters. We learned who they were and their motivations, and we got funny little character beats with them and everything. I like that. And that's something that Marvel had hinted at for a long time before Stern came along. But once he came along, that became more of a hallmark and you started to get more of those moments. I, I like that a lot. And that really stands out to me in this particular story is that this could be just another typical, you know, hero versus villain mashup. But instead the way it's written, it, it it has a real emotional level to it, you know, an, an emotional undercurrent that that runs through it that I think helps you identify with the story that much more. I really dig it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, not just that, but and well, I, I imagine we'll discuss this a little bit more when we get to the other two issues and um, uh, the other follow up issue that we had talked about earlier on. Mm-hmm. And how this, what are the long term ramifications that come about from the storyline? Right. You know, one of which I think, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be uh, after Hercules gets hurt. And I don't think it's in the next two issues, but later on down, doesn't it? Which you may not have read that yet if it's in your gap with Avengers stuff, or it might even happen in, in another book. But I believe Zeus catches wind that Hercules has been injured. Right. And that's not in the next two issues. I don't Well, that's right. Cause you said you haven't, haven't even read them. I know it happens. And he, you know, you know, his, you know, his, his son was hurt. So he, I, I, I'm going to have to research to see where that, uh, where that takes place. And then, then the other one we're talking about, I think is going to happen. Something's going to happen in, in the Thunderbolts. Does it not? I believe what you talked about, um, the nice thing that happens that came about from the bad thing that happens in this actual issue we just covered. See, I was trying to remember where that happened at. So if, if you know, then save that for, for next time around when we finish the end of the story. Cause I want to know mm-hmm. where that is. You can share that with me off air and we'll, we'll cover that after we do the conclusion of this story next time around, we can cover that story uh, as well. If you want to, just to kind of, you know, wrap everything up in a nice little bow. But yeah, I, I liked that moment, you know, where somebody tried to, you know, 
do something nice for Cap to give him back something he loses in this story. Mm-hmm. Now, judging a book strictly by its cover... Oh, yeah, yeah, we didn't uh, talk about the cover before. It looks like number 282 is probably oh. the one that you're talking about because there's... Uh, it's just the cover on this is Prisoner of the Gods, and you've got the Avengers all chained up at the bottom. You've got a god, a giant god, holding Namor in his hand. And this looks like it could be Zeus, except I thought Marvel's Zeus had red hair. Yes. And this guy is very, uh, you know, he, he's white-haired, so I'm not sure if this is supposed to be Zeus or not. But I, I think you're right. I think there is a story later on where, where Zeus does get involved after he learns that... Uh, yeah, well, I, I that and, Hercules has been injured, and we can cover that more in the next episode of this. Basically, the fallout from the storyline, the long term, right? You know how it plays into how it played into further storylines and 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 such. Well, so. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I mean, with, with absolutely no planning or anything of this, just the simple fact that you guys chose this particular storyline to cover. This just happened to fall. You know, the first issue of this uh, story is 273. 273 was the next issue I was reading on my read-through of The Avengers. So just dumb (laughs) luck, this is where I wound up. So I will definitely be reading beyond this point uh, many of these stories for the first time or, you know, the first time in years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to going on from here because, again, you know, I, I love the art, love Roger Stern. It looks like some really, you know, just, again, judging books by their covers that looks like some really good stories are coming along so well uh, i think i'm excited to see where this whole thing goes one real quick quick thing on the cover for this one because we didn't touch on it before uh, it, it's a nice shot i think it's a little more detailed than the previous cover it's got ant-man and the wasp standing off uh ready to fight uh absorbing man and titania who have their back to the viewer and then behind mm-hmm. uh ant-man and the wasp you see Hercules in a hospital bed with a, you know, there's like a overhead light shining down on him. And right. it's, it, it's a, it's a nice, you know, everybody's posed, coiled, ready to fight. And, um, you know, the, and the question is asked, uh, the absorbing man has gone toe to toe with Thor. Titania has held her own against She-Hulk. And now Ant-Man and the Wasp are going to stop him. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that cover. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that uh, it surprised me. It really surprised me that I ended up liking this issue because just looking at that cover alone, I'm like, yeah, right. Ant-Man and Wasp are going to stop them, which is essentially what the cover is saying. Yet they do, and I I bought it. I really enjoyed the way that they took down the bad guys in this. I thought mm-hmm. it was really good. I liked it. So now we gotta wait till how long will it take us to? Uh... To, to get to the next next part of this story, 2016. Jeez, what do you? What are we? A Marvel movie? <laughs> Avengers four coming. Well, I mean, we have a couple of things coming up that we're planning on doing, so we're going to have to put that on, put this on hold for a little while, but we should get to it relatively soon. Well, we can yep. always do an interim one, a quick one. If we all three can't get together, we can do a little mini spotlight, like like. Like you and I did last time, or maybe I can just do a little mini one just to keep things rolling. I won't cover a major book. I might just cover a, a particular character or I something. I won't do anything major. I'll just do like the Corvax saga. <laughs> I do I do have the hardcover, and we can use that as a reference. But we should do the Corvax saga anyway, 
don't want to don't want to reveal anything going towards the summer. Not like there's anything coming up to summer that might have certain characters in the quarterback saga that were in uh, that are in a coming movie in August. Hmm. Wonder what that could be. Must be Hooper two, starring Jan Michael Vincent. He he was in the first one too, which that would be another reference to to the Leylands via Airwolf. Nothing. You guys just won't sing. I'm out of here. much for listening to our show and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at back to the bins at gmail.com or by visiting the two true freaks podcast group on facebook back to the bins is produced in association with the two true freaks podcast which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Take a moment to stop by and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Ah. Uh. I didn't prepare a... Somebody uh, eating mixed nuts? What's going on there? No, I was just drinking some soda. Huh? I was o- opening the uh, uh, bottle. Whew, man. Yeah, it's soda. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to steal Scott's toast. <laughs> Scott made such a big deal out of it. Oh, I really like this picture. Did you see that one I posted on there? I like that picture. I know you're like, ah, oh, I'm really proud of this poster, uh, or I'm really proud of this picture. And then I post on there, yeah, I'm I'm thinking here how I'm going to steal the rest of Scott's toast before he eats it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oops. I was very jealous when I was looking through the pictures. I know, man. We missed you. I don't like people having fun without me there. There was some lot of <laughs> hot women there. Damn, I don't like people being near hot women without me there. Did you? Did you? <laughs> Did you see the He Man one? But it was uh, He Woman. I don't think I saw that. Oh, you got to not not Shira. No, no. Well, maybe you thought she was Shira. It was a woman in the He Man outfit with the furry shorts. There's a guy in a cat suit next to her, who was doing the role of Cringer, the cat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can just ignore Cringer. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I mean, you posted a lot of pictures. I saw. I went through them, but I'm not. I could have missed one here and there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I think I've gone through three or four times, and then I spot one, and I'll make a little comment. Man, we got a lot of... Did you get a ton of uh, posts, Scott, from other people tagging themselves? Yes. Was that from the guy that you talked to? Because the guy that was Dr. Midnight friended me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I I was really glad that he... uh... 
he tagged himself because yeah, he seems like he's going to be a, a, a good contact to cultivate. I'm thinking. Hmm. Yeah, maybe you and Mike could maybe possibly talk to him on uh, Tales of the JSA. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, he said he's definitely going to listen. Because when I went up to talk to him, I told him the whole reason I wanted a picture with him was because of Tales. Because mm-hmm. we, I rip on Doctor Midnight all the time on the show. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I uh, I invited the uh, less interesting three to be on the sh- episode. Uh huh. Have you heard that? The less interesting. They, they were actually I, I talking heard... about it on Dinner for Geeks. Oh, <laughs> talking about what? That I invited them on. Oh, that you invited them on? Oh, that's cool. They were talking about how Scott gets invited on stuff and that the less interesting three never get invited on anything. So I invited the three of them on. That would be Ron. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, that would be Ron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have it down now. Ron. Well, because it's Ron. Just Ron. Ron. Yeah. (laughs) You cannot you cannot use this in the preamble. You can't call them the less interesting three. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what they call themselves. That's 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 what Scott named them, I think. Oh, that's just wrong, dude. So but yeah, I I would rather not use it. That's that's almost as wrong as as you calling yourself the producer, man. That's (laughs) that's right up there. No, 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 no. Or calling you the guest host or the guest guest on the show <laughs> but uh but don't, what a, don't, don't so, start with me just don't don't even so I invited, I invited ron jeff and ryan on ryan that right jeff okay and uh ron and jeff are, are totally up for it ryan really has no interest in comics and doesn't want to do it so uh so the the two are going to be on what <laughs> then why the hell is he on the show well he's a geek but he's not a comic geek you could be a geek and not a comic geek I need to. I really need to screen shows better that wind up on the Two True Freaks feed. I really so need to start. He doing doesn't. That. He doesn't have any desire to be on, but the other two do. So I'm going to have him on. But uh, which I, one is he? Is he the toy geek? Uh, I think. I yeah, think I think Ryan's a toy geek. I think. Yeah, Jeff is Scott's minion. Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. and Ron is just Ryan Ron, is and geek. Ryan's a and toy then geek. Ron, just Ron. <laughs> so, so what? What? When I signed on to. Uh, to Skype tonight, I had a friend, uh, a, you know, a request from Ron to add him to my contacts on Skype, and I didn't realize who it was, so I sent him a message saying, I'm sorry, I don't know you, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I just realized who it was, so I accepted his request and said I was sorry. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to. I wish I could take back the message I sent, but too late. That's actually pretty funny, though. Who are you again? When are you planning on doing when that? It, when it first came up, it didn't say Ron. It it had his just his regular his Skype name, which is. Oh, well, how are you supposed this? to know who he was? Yeah, he should have posted a message like, "Hey, this is Ron, just Ron." <laughs> so okay, so now I have Ron in my in my contacts. I got to just add Jeff in, and I'm gonna I want to have uh, Scott do a uh, a little Godfather bit with Hero. That's going to be the preamble where he's going to try and get the Godfather to keep them off the show because he doesn't want anybody but him <laughs> getting publicity. And then, you know, it's going to be like the scene of the Godfather where you could be a man! And he's going to, like, smack him. <laughs> and he's going to tell him that he has to let them on the show. <laughs> it's part of your demonstrable contract. <laughs> <laughs> You've been on many shows. That's not justice. <laughs> 
It's something along. I have to write it up for them. They won't do it unless I actually script it for them. Oh God, such prima donna yes. professionals! I swear, they can't improv. <laughs> Not like us. Right off the cuff, baby. No notes. So now, who's that I hear yelling in the background? Is that Jen or, or Melissa? Can you hear them? But tell them the. Sh- they're all jibber jabbering out there like <laughs> bunch of jabber walkies. Swear to God, I live with a pack of wolves. Uh, drink some more. Got to put vodka in this Mountain Dew. Scott, you there? Oh, don't, you don't. I'm here. I'm here. You're just taking it all in. And you're saying to yourself, this is why I'm not going to show that off. I'm, be glad you have all boys in your house. That's all I got to say. It's like you can read my mind. <laughs> what? Did I say be glad you have all men? No, what oh. Paul said. Oh. <laughs> I'm out. I'm outgunned. Okay, penis. I'm just working on other show homework while you guys are talking. <laughs> Bill, you just got to start worrying when you all synchronize your menses. <laughs> it's three to two over here, and it's a. <laughs> that was so wrong, so wrong, <laughs> but funny. I was going to say, but funny. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid harsh, I'm going to have to dude. go read a ride actor, tell them to you know take it outside or something. Get the hell out. Get the hell out of the kitchen. All right, I'm going to be quiet. Can you hear them? No, not right now. All I right. don't hear anything over the TV blaring in the next room. Okay, I think they moved away from the door. Is that the boys or your wife? Uh, I think it's the missus watching something. I don't know. What the hell is Dracula Untold? What is this? No idea. Wasn't that a Marvel thing from the 90s? Uh, no, it's some upcoming. All right, so what I'm doing is I'm looking at a list of upcoming movies for 2014 to try to get a handle both on. Um, oh, that was love. <laughs> Sorry. Get me, get me all right? Up from the ground came a bubbling crew. <laughs> Jesus. That was a Taco Bell I had earlier. Folks said, oh, that's the Taco that. Bell for dinner. Yet you don't hear me sitting here watching my guts out. Well, I just had those big swigs, swigs of uh, whatever. We're on Skype, and I could smell that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what Skype version do you have? <laughs> Here, let me turn around. Can you smell this? It's like when Smellivision smell- replaced television. <laughs> He's got a smell sensor hooked up to his Skype. That must be awesome. I think this might have to go with the end of the episode. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, if, if you're looking to do you, one... you, did, you did Predator? What, what was the other one that you did? Uh, Into Darkness with Chris. Oh, uh, okay. I thought then that June... one was actually pretty good because, you know, we gave some differing points of view on some yeah. stuff. Oh, Star Trek. Yeah, I, you know what? I listened to that, and I'm like, Into Darkness. What the hell movie is that? Yes, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, I listened to that. And it's it was weird for me because I, I have not seen the movie, and I don't want to see the movie. Yet, I listened to the commentary just to see what you guys had to say, and I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. I thought the analogy we came up with for the movie actually worked really well. Like, you know, because we both agreed. There was no doubt, you know, no problem with the fact that we both agreed that once they got into the total ripoff of The Wrath of Khan, uh, that that was a horrible moment in the movie. There was, you know, that w- there was no debate about that. Right. He, he said, <laughs> He said, it's like you're having this great steak dinner. And all of a sudden, you find like I don't know. I don't sure remember. Like if you find a, a piece rat of gristle, something. No, I said. Oh, a piece you, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You he said. said he said it's like you find the rat dropping in there, and, and it's like the whole meal is ruined, and he hates it now. 
<laughs> Whereas <laughs> I, I said it's kind of like you're having a good steak dinner and you're, you're chewing on it and you get a piece of grizzle and you take your napkin and you spit the piece of grizzle out and the rest of the steak was pretty good and you're okay. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, I was thinking about that movie today and I don't know where it came from in my head, but while I'm I'm driving, I just I say out loud, who the hell kicks kicks a warp core straight? <laughs> I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Of course it took what, over a year or so and I finally could come up with a, a point about it. Like, jerk store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Scott, you said something that you didn't uh, finish your synopsis. I barely finished mine. I have, I, didn't. I have to write it because I cannot go off the cuff. I get way too off topic. I, yeah, I, takes like 12 I, I, think, I think we noticed that at uh, one, uh, one point. <laughs> Speaking of con. <laughs> yeah. Uh, will you be wrapping up that synopsis this episode? Did, did, you, did you hear the uh, did you hear the follow up on that when we did it? Who, me? Mm, no, Scott. Mm, I'm not sure. What ep- what episode was it? Like two episodes later. That was our preamble. Oh, that was a preamble? <laughs> it, it, it opens up and you just hear Bill going on and on and on. And then I said, Bill, are you still doing your con synopsis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Scott Reifen had said something on his show, didn't he, about me still? No, he, he posted on Facebook. He oh. said something about how, how you're still doing it. So we started <laughs> the next show where I'm like... Yeah, all right. Well, then he pops in, you know. But all well, that, that all goes back to when he took over India, blah 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 blah. And then you're like, Bill, 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 what? Are you still synopsizing Khan? Uh. <laughs> and it was like, I thought I could just streamline it a bit. <laughs> I like, you know, the bottom line is, I don't know if other people laugh at this stuff, but I do. <laughs> like the stuff we did with Professor Allen. <laughs> I listened to that full episode today. Which one? The Emily uh, one or the hero one? The Emily one. And I've just, mm-hmm. I'm just going back because I, the feed got all screwed up. And I had to delete the whole feed. I thought it was something on my end. But it, it's straightened out now. But um, <laughs> I'm going back and I'm listening to the one you did with uh, the Speeding Bullets guys and the Marvel Noise guy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Raging Bullet. Ra- yeah, yeah, Raging Bullet. So that's what I'm listening to now. I'm in the X-Men portion of it. Um, but before that, I listened back to the Emily and Professor Allen one, which I think was one of the ones I've talked the most on, even though I didn't do a book. I mean, because usually I'm, I'm kind of quiet a lot sometimes, maybe. You know what I mean. Wait, when? Shut up. <laughs> I had a lot to say about the Michael Moorcock books, is what I was getting at. Much like when I was talking about uh, how do you go through Star life Blazers? like Moorcock? <laughs> Moorcock, please. How how do you go through life? I mean, that, that's that's like suicide name. I guess you get kicked out of the library, you know, when you're asking, "Can I have Moorcock?" It's, it it sounds like a no, line no, no. from like the like the porno version of Oliver Twist or something. Please, more. Uh, may I have more cock? More? <laughs> <laughs> you want more? Zip. We're so far off the rails. It's, t- it's ten o'clock and we haven't even started. Where, where are the rails? I, I can't see them. Remember to bring rails because I haven't seen them in some time with you guys. 